The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, everybody. I'm in uh, cold, cold Illinois. Matt, every single one of my fingers are so cold you can't believe it. And I think mm-hmm. I have a... Might actually have a condition where your the blood doesn't get all the way to your fingers, I think. Mm-hmm. Or or my brain or my wing. <laughs> <laughs> blood is that, flow. Yeah, is that just yeah. is that is that a condition or is that just getting That's old? A condition. I don't know. Yeah. Man. Poor circulation is what it's called. Damn it. <laughs> I didn't know that could happen when you're I'm a, I'm a young forty five, I thought. Now here I see it. Bare, I, I mean, I I remember my pawpaw. Uh, I can remember seeing him and like something hit his hand and he kind of cut his finger and his skin on his fingers was almost like translucent and it just bled yeah. and I was like, oh, he's he's oh he can't heal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like like you don't you don't heal as well anymore. Yeah. When you're young, you just you recover and now I just don't recover. But like, there's more you hurt. can do. That Wim Hof. The, the the great Wim Hof would tell you the thing you should be doing is putting those cold hands into ice water and just your hands. He would say, not even you know. I mean, the whole body is the you know. I do the whole body stuff, but even if you put your hands in there for like thirty seconds in ice water, your body will then start to say, "Oh no, we got to have to actually get involved here," and it will. And then if you do that a bunch of times, you start you know they'll increase your blood flow and stuff like that. So I think that's what he would say to actually try. I can't wait for my family to see me do that. <laughs> Just <laughs> ram my hands into two buckets so th- of cold Dad, why water. Do have your, why do you have your hands get in out of ice here. water? Oh, oh get your homework done. They were cold, so I had to put them in ice water. <laughs> what are you talking about? Get out of what here. What do you think? Do your homework. Let me do what I got to do. That's what I would say to them. Uh, if you guys like this podcast out there, I got to go through a, a couple of things here. Uh, why won't you join why won't you join knucklebreakers.co? Matt, is there any reason somebody out there listening that wants to have a good time, wants to talk about their, you know, hear stories about journeys and uh, <laughs> like the one today that we're, we're going to talk about with George McKay. He's back on the pod. Uh, man, we, he's been on, this was his third time, which is interesting because the first time he came on, I did not remember. He wrote that uh, open letter to, uh, what's his face? Judas what's his Smith. Butt? Judas Smith, mega pastor extraordinaire. Uh, uh, well, Bieber's best friend or something like that. And George wrote that letter, and then he moved on to Church Clarity, and now he's moved on from Church Clarity, and he's into Bitcoin. It's, it's a This is a great episode yeah, a, coming up. But yeah. but if you like if you like episodes like this, you're going to love it because we give you two extra episodes if you go to knucklebreakers.co and join. Become a knucklebreaker. There's a lot of other benefits, too. It's fun. It's a great group of people. Maybe a better uh, way to say it. As we yeah. continue to try to figure out how we run our back-end systems and our distribution of content and stuff yes. like that, is to say you can join the BC Club at knucklebreakers.co. That's the service. That's and like That's a way to say yeah. it because there's a BC Club group that you join if you're a BC the Bad Christian Podcast fan, you would join through yeah. Knuckle Breakers, and you would go into the BC Club Facebook group and that thread in the Discord, etc. So you could also join, you know. Other things at knucklebreakers.co, like Emeryland and the stuff that you get in there. But guess what? You get both for either membership. So it's kind of like a if, if that's starting to make sense, we're kind of working out what that model is. I'm calling it distro almost at a moment in this moment. It's like how do we distribute 
the content yeah. with people that support it through memberships. It's not that there's this whole other thing called knuckle yeah. breakers, if that makes sense. So we're working right. out the language. Knuckle breakers just that. the umbrella, and you get everything now. Yeah, and it is the YouTube uh, page that has on it rub some dirt on it, which is the new Emory album. So you can yeah. see how our stuff bleeds together. But that Emory album is licensed and sitting on the Knuckle Breakers YouTube right now. It's not even on Emory's page. Knuckle Breakers has that. They uh, Knuckle Breakers funded the Emory yep. fans, the bad Christian fans, the people together fund the things like us making that album and then putting it on YouTube um, for free for everybody. So that's one of the things that you know we've done, and it's been a really cool thing. The other crazy thing about it is we release a new album that is visual. You have to it's it's. You see you watch it, it. Yeah. watch it happen, and it's released on YouTube exclusively. It's not on Spotify. It's nowhere at this time. That's a kind of a new thing to release an album as YouTube as primary um, and the only place where it's publicly available exclusively. So that's kind of a cool thing. It's a project that the Knuckle Breakers uh, yeah. did. You know that we've been yeah. evolving this since way before the pandemic to stream and bring our band and make it digital in ways that people could have experiences and do. Blur those lines. So we've been working on this long term, and it continues to roll out. So that's the two things that I see there. What else you got on our list of fun stuff going on? Uh, it's fun. What did you call it? Uh, back back end distribution. Yeah, what, distro. What was, what was the thing you said there? The back end systems and stuff. Back end content distribution system. <laughs> Would I, I ever know. say that to you? Would you you expect me to ever call you and go, "Hey, listen, I want to talk about our content back end." I wish to system. God you would. I you know you would. do. I can't be that friend for you though. That, I learned some things about the Patreons because I hated you know. it when you said it just a minute ago. <laughs> I actually hated you for a second for using those words. I get that from my dad. If you say a big word around my dad, he's like, just like distribution. He thinks, he thinks you are a low person. What? Like, which the what's the big word? Uh, I thought. Back end system back really, end, oh, really system, got okay, me mad. System, yeah, okay. That got me mad as hell, and I was like, I'm not. I'm I almost quit everything with Knuckle Breakers and Bad Christian, <laughs> Emory, all of it. But uh, speaking of our album, we're also doing uh, a Songs and Stories, which is really cool. It's going to be me and Devin down there in St. Louis on December 9th. and then the Knuckle Breaker Bash in Kansas City on Friday. That's going to be wild because we're going to have uh, Aaron Sprinkle Marsh and Aaron Marsh. Uh, Aaron Marsh, Aaron Sprinkle is going to be there. It's going to be a very fun, intimate show. Uh, there's limited tickets. Get your tickets now. It's deep Friday, December 10th. You can go to emorymusic.com and get those. Um, and then also what I've been working on all day today before we started recording this is our custom songs. And uh, there's very few spots left because I, I have to get the songs done uh, before Christmas because usually people want to give them as Christmas presents. It doesn't ha- it, The song doesn't have to be a Christmas song or about Christmas. It can be about anything. In fact, almost none of the songs I've ever written, I think I've only written one specifically as a Christmas song. Somebody wanted that. But uh, I'm working on one for a wedding. I'm working on one for a husband to his wife. Uh, there's a bunch of them right now. So you can go to emorymusic.com again, and you can get your own custom song today. So yeah. that's that. So, Toby, you, you create a lot of content, it sounds like. It seems like you need a content distribution don't back do this, system. Matt. I don't, I don't mean, like, you keep do that. Out that content. Where do you think it's going to go, my friend, on your hard drive? It's got to go somewhere after that, don't it? It's got to. There's got to be some model for how it flows from that point. <laughs> I I specifically joined a band, so I would never have to say the word distribution system. I you're thought back that, that working in a warehouse. But I know that exactly. your marriage supply warehouse is what you live in. <laughs> you're broadcasting from a distribution center right, Dang the, it, in you're the physical right. basement, right as we speak. Marriage supply is a distribution system, and you run the the back end system and distribution warehouse. And, 
shipping systems and it's informatics. Damn it, you're right. I, I've been. <laughs> uh, we did a, a really fun uh, Black Friday sale for Ma- uh, for Mary Supply, and man, I've been shipping my ass off. It's unbelievable. Like, I mean, so many packages I've been putting together for Marriage Supply. It is wild. So, you uh, fools out there that missed it, I feel bad for you. There's still some good deals out there. What's the? It's BC fools. BC Pod BCPOD. I think you get ten percent off. Go to Marriage Supply. It has all your adult toy needs. It's such. I mean, it, as a small business owner. I'm blowing up. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm taking over the world. You know, you always see the people. I, I'm going to do marriage supply, and then uh, I'm just going to uh, parlay that into telling people how they can make millions of dollars. Isn't that what people do? They start their own business, their own e-commerce business or something, and then they, they do. Can you imagine me doing a like a $100 uh, seminar <laughs> after yeah, uh, marriage supply got huge? I go, listen, this is what you got to do. And then I, I God, I could that's never the, like do the that. podcast, like when it. the podcast took off and podcast advertising, you know, um, I was in some of the, the biz dev days of that, of that whole thing kind of breaking. We were around for that and fi- finding our way into it in, in the early days. And, um, at that time, and it's still probably true, but during that boom of podcast ads, it was like, there were an infinity of podcasts that were about getting podcast ads yeah so they would talk about how much ads they get as the content of the show to get the ads i was like what the the fuck is going on here like the show is only about other people wanting to get because that's the phone call and text i've gotten thousand times a day is how you get ads in your podcast like you you know like that like that's all anybody wanted to know when people figured out you can talk and get paid or whatever yeah that's all anybody was thinking about for like three years was how do I get podcast ads? And it was just all these podcasts about it and everything. So it's like, but why would you, when you make a little business just to then be able to coach other businesses, that doesn't really make sense in the same way. Like you're saying, like, why would you just have the little store? So then you can claim to be an e-commerce expert and sell courses. Why wouldn't you just run your store then? (laughs) If you're a genius, you know, Hello, guys. Uh, my name is Toby Morrell. I, I started uh, small as anybody. My small business, you know, I'm just slinging dildos out of my basement. And now here I stand before you, a multimillionaire, and I can show you the five secrets of how you, too, can sling dildos. <laughs> yeah, but if you just speak to people's, like, whatever that is, like flyers used to be in college, make $1,000 an hour. For, like, you don't want yeah. to take that flyer, do you? No. Whatever it says. Like, no. obviously, the fact that it's that way, you don't want it. Uh, well, that's even like today's guest, George McHale. I'm wondering, like we talk about curiosity and, and when you start feeling strangely about something or it doesn't feel as, yeah, as yeah. you're on the same mission or whatever. I think that's, I think, do you think people are catching on more and more that yes. like the newscaster, you don't need your news to, for someone to tell you tonight, this, da, 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 da. And the way they talk, you know, the way, the way things have been presented, I think people are starting to wake up a little bit like, wait to a minute. all the, marketing. Yeah, like you yes. know, Tesla doesn't have marketing, right? Right. Like, it's like, whoa, that makes people so mad. But just Total. hang on a second, they don't have a marketing department, right? Okay, so I'm not saying they're not the going to ruin the world. They may, I don't know. They could be the most, you know, but they're doing something right to have that philosophy. Marketing sucks. Yeah, everybody knows marketing sucks. It's not that we all need to be better at it. That right. isn't what needs to happen. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Well, I mean, the newscasters and everything. It's like we need, you know, we're, everybody yeah. sees through marketing and people see through more stuff. That's, that's, 
I guess good and bad, but that, at least I mean, good. It's good for us because we are so bad at it. I mean, just look yeah. at the list of stuff we just told people. And everybody's, I mean, I'm, I'm referring to my small businesses slinging dildos and, yeah. you know, please come to this show. It's probably, where's it at? You know, I, I mean, we've just always been bad at promoting ourselves. That's probably one of the things about Emory. It's not because it's gross. Well, we just, yeah, we just can't it's quite gross. go there. We can't really believe in it. So, I, I mean, I'll tell you what we're doing and hopefully you'll follow through and, <laughs> yeah. you know, buy a t-shirt or the vibrator or something like that but george is uh, this is a great conversation coming up folks i mean i'm i really enjoyed it and it's it's cool because we uh matt you and i were talking about it before but one of the questions that came to my mind is i was just asking him you know what what is it like to move on or how do you move on and how because that's kind of even what bad christian has been about that even that that phrase really captures it more than the, the like the term deconstruction or reconstruction it's like What's, what happens when you move on is what yeah. you asked him. And I was like, yeah. wow, that's something. That's a and big question. And what does it mean? What do you do you leave some of yourself? Or do you get gain something new? I mean, when you when you change, you lose friends. People turn their backs on you or you gain new friends and then you know or you know things really do change and it's tough. And, well, what, you and know, also it's exciting. It brought up the questions for me. What like first of all you have to move on sometimes there's things where yeah. you have to move on and you just do so but when do you like uh it's like you choose that there's something you get to choose there like what would what would you be willing to move on from or lose if you moved on from something like those questions are the biggest yeah. types of ones like no i had to stay here because i wouldn't i can't move on or right. i need to move on because i can't stay here those are that's big stuff <laughs> yeah no doubt. And, and I mean, there's really something there that, especially when you built something, whether it be a church, whether it be a podcast, a business, relationship, all, all those things you go, I, am I giving up or what am I doing? You know, you have all these questions that swirl around in your head about why am I, I mean, I still feel that way sometimes about my relationship with the church and with God. And and I, I feel like I, a lot of, in lots of ways, we talk about it on this podcast, I feel like my faith's stronger in lots of ways, my belief's stronger. I feel like I, I resonate more with some, some Christian values than I even used to. But at the same time, I've moved on. The people, I don't, I don't really associate with a lot of those people anymore. I mean, even people that used to be on this podcast, I don't, we don't associate anymore. And, I, and there, there's reasons behind all of that. So um, this is just a great episode, and I think you guys are going to really like it a lot. So uh, you just want to get to it? Yeah, about, yeah, they know who George Labyrinth. is. I mean, yeah, he was on early on. Yeah. We said that, and so and he started Church great. Clarity, which uh, you know, just which I always thought was really cool because it's just asking church churches to be clear about their stance on LGBTQ. You don't you don't have to say you know why does it have to be so murky? If you if you you know George says says this, but I mean, if you think that homosexuality is a sin, well, just say it then, so at least folks will know. Don't don't lure people in under murky pretenses and, and lines that don't, you know, that, that they don't really know where they are, are drawn. So um, this is a really good one. So, uh, yeah, let's get to it. George, what's going on, my friend? How are you guys? Good. Long time good, no man. see. It's good to see you. Yeah. We were just trying to figure out last time we even talked to you, and we think it might have been 2017. Has it been that long? Yeah, I think so. This I think you came on to talk about church clarity. Church clarity, yeah, yeah, that's right. Man, and this is my third time. I, the first time was about Judah, remember? Yeah, that's what I was trying to remember the timeline. Oh, I just, right. I just was trying to look yeah, it up, yeah. and I saw 2017, and that might have been the last time. But what was the first time? Do you remember? Can I'm you... pretty sure it was after I wrote an open letter uh, to Judah Smith about uh, inclusion in the church. Oh, that's right. So that would have been 2015 or 16 or something, right? Oh, man, that seems like so long ago. 
I know. Now we're talking about Bitcoin and COVID? Well, I think we're going to go a little slow and try to span that last whole span of gap because it's like, um, you know, it's the end of the year and everybody's got to do reflecting anyway. So I thought it might be nice to try to trace all of our steps of being here across that time because – we're quite different. And you're quite different. So I was thinking that. And might you've be been nice in our do. lives at different important parts. Yeah, uh, you know weird. what I mean. Like different different times. It's it's crazy how things like that work out. No, seriously, I loved I loved hearing from you, Toby. Like um, these conversations have been a few of my favorite. Like over over the years, and it's cool that uh, we've we've kept in touch. So I appreciate you guys having me on again. You know, I can't ever figure out if it means something good or bad when I keep seeing the same people in different spheres. Like you know, from <laughs> right? in music scene or at mars hill is that good that those resonate i mean does it mean something bad that we were talking to you about judah smith and pastor stuff there and now have fascination about crypto is there something weird and what are the links of that what does it mean to like i don't know to be the kind of people that change across a lifetime it's like is that is that necessarily good or bad it's not that that clear to me but i've all you know some people get into a groove after high school and that's their groove but some people are a little more nomadic <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. beliefs and groups that hang in and all that. So I'm kind of fascinated to just explore that with you since you're a fellow traveler, at least. Absolutely. No, I think that's well said. Yeah, it's a good question. Do you, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Do you think it's like a coincidence, like a moving coincidence or is it like, are we on the right, on the right path or like, are we just, well, just, let's, uh, do we need to settle down and like, just chill. I, I don't know, or? but but let's see if we can um, – I know some people probably didn't catch our earlier episodes and stuff, so why don't you try to describe to me how these different spheres you've been in starting at least – I don't know what your history is before. You may have, have been involved in different things, but when I first uh, encountered you, it was because Matt McDonald – um, told me that you're an awesome pastor at this church in Seattle. It would have been when I was at Mars Hill trying to make big churches work was mm-hmm. the mission I was on to help people and do things and try to make stuff happen good for groups and communities and spread that or something. And in that particular context of Mars Hill and Matt McDonald has similar values and things like that and was telling me about you. And that was so just World what was that phase of your life? And was then that, what was happened? That East I mean, Lake? Was that yeah, East, East Lake, Lake Church? East Lake. Yeah. So I was at East Lake for a long time. I was at East Lake like when it was only a few hundred people. So back when it was a pretty like standard evangelical, you know, um, church in Mars Hill's backyard, you know, Judas Smith's backyard. And uh, was there, all, and then joined staff all the way through East Lake's infamous, you know, uh, LGBTQ inclusion in 2015. And, um, and so I went through that whole like, initial spiritual transformation of being like, you know, pretty conservative Bible, like literal. How conservative did you start though? For I mean, the I, record. I don't Hill. know that point. No, I was at Mars Hill for a while. I, like I was a Driscoll disciple for a while. Even before that, like I was born into the Coptic Orthodox church. Like I was a deacon growing up in the Coptic Orthodox church, um, which is the smallest or oldest Christian denomination in the world uh, based in Egypt. But so that's how conservative I started. And then to go to East Lake. And then be a part of full inclusion of the LGBTQ community, start a nonprofit organization. Okay, wait. So we met. I wrote a letter to, to Judah Smith because I was pissed off at the time because he uh, was he was being very misleading in his language towards LGBTQ people. Yeah. And uh, and so I wrote an open letter to him, like hoping he would respond. Like and and taking the approach it was like the first time I took the approach of like, look, bro, I don't care what you believe. You might think that gay people are going to hell, but just be clear about it. Just say that, right? And it was the first 
time that like I, I kind of latched onto that that messaging. And I think the seeds for church clarity were kind of born through that. Um, and kind of the response and how it resonated with people and how like I wasn't trying to be mean or like like challenging challenge him in a way where I was like, your theology sucks and um, but like you're just being you're you're, you're being unclear. So and then um, so on that though, even still, hey, at that point, that's a you were if you were at Mars Hill at some point and then got all the way to that, right. that was a big personal transformation already. Step right. one there because that means your friends would have changed for sure, right? Like what was how did you get from what was the difference in? I mean, did you change friend groups just even that far along? The, the, yeah, like, once you started moving towards LGBTQ inclusion, like, did you have to? You, you had to have people that go. Was oh, that he's those gone. weren't le- those were somehow fluid, or were there were there moments where you stepped across in that in that way and changed uh, tribes yeah. or whatever? I mean, it definitely. I can't really look back and be like there was a clear moment where I like left one camp and switched teams or whatever. But it definitely comes in waves, and you lose people along the way. And some people, like we like East Lake. I mean, we lost more than half of our church, right? Like 60, 70%. Yeah. And a lot of those people, if you're going for to a church for that long, like all those people are your really close friends. So, um, but what's funny, what's funny is, is we get like to where we're at today. And like now, like the way I'm thinking about things, a lot of the people who left East, like at the time, a lot of people liking my posts on, on Facebook and like DMing me, like, Hey, keep speaking the truth and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> They're back in your life. Like, circles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's that starts to be fat. I'm just saying that already is just yeah. fascinating because what are they resonating with? Like in, in some sense, if we're personalities he, he, here that do media and stuff like, and there's you're a charismatic guy, people resonate with with that, and so that there's some link to that. Like it's like whatever I'm trying to say, certain people are going to resonate with me saying it. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way that sure. there's just some people I'm harmonic with. Turns out. Yeah. And people, or that, something. Like, I don't know. And probably like, this is what I, I kind of appreciate about Facebook. I know I'm going to say something positive about Facebook. Can you believe this? <laughs> and I think Facebook is mostly like a cesspool and like, I try not to spend too much time on there. But what I will say is that it's mostly made up of people that, you know, people that you like sometimes grew up with a lot of people from like high school. I'm friends with this randomly. Cause it's like what you kind of picked up yeah. having Facebook for a long time. And or people you used to go to church with, you know what I mean? And like people that have like kind of seen you from all walks of life. So how people respond to you that know you is always, I think, fascinating uh, compared to like, you know, Twitter, which is great. I love Twitter. It's probably my favorite platform. I spend the most time on that one. But I don't know like most of my followers, right? They don't know me personally. They don't, they're resonating with me on like just like other, like a pretty surface level, I think, like, like type of commentary. Whereas Facebook, you have to kind of reckon with the fact that, oh yeah, I know George personally. I know his kids and his wife, like, and so, right. so I have to kind of, at least for a second, the people that do hang on, the way I interpret it is like, I kind of at least got to like listen with one ear to what, what he's saying. Cause I kind of respect him. Right. And um, so that's, I think an interesting like social dynamic right now that's playing out. So have when you, you went, hold on, when you were in, uh, but when you did this, like when, when you moved uh, towards LGBTQ inclusion at, at Eastlake, mm-hmm. did you think those like at that time? Do you look back on it now as that you were young and you and you thought because I mean it was a brave move. I mean even it, it being in Seattle, even you know what I mean. You would think the most one of the most liberal cities. You know you would think, man, maybe these folks will stick around just to see what could be or something like that. Did you did you have hope with that or did you go, uh oh, I'm I'm stepping off a cliff possibly here, but I just have to go forward because I mean honestly, you just were 
it, I think one of the reasons when we were talking earlier about the circles that we move in, it seems like you're kind of like us is like, it, I, I think there's a curiosity yeah, and, and, and it's trying to find what, like, why did, why would Judah Smith not be clear? Right. You know, why, why wouldn't he have clarity in his, you know, it's not necessarily against him or to be like, why, you know, you just want to answer those why questions. But when you were, when you started doing that at East Lake, did, did you think, Oh, it's going to be fine. Or, cause I mean, the church eventually, ended right like i mean like you lost half i remember i remember when you're on you said you had to fire your worship leader or something because there just wasn't money to even pay them or something uh, um okay so let's see what i'll say is what i was at the time when i was there there were definitely moments of like fear of like oh shit this is not gonna go well and we were you know we were ready for whatever um looking back there's definitely people like there's situations where people surprise you like on both like both sides, people that stuck around, like you're like, whoa, I did not expect you to make it this long here. You're right. still here. Um, and then uh, like people who like, you know, you thought you were close with and um, ended up just like kind of bailing pretty quick. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah. So like there's, there's al- always that, but I think uh, no regrets. Definitely. Like, you know, definitely, we're, yeah. we're curious, like, and, and there's no, like, I look back at that and I was like, we did the right thing. (laughs) Like I, I I think that the church uh, in a lot of ways needs to continue to examine sort of the way it treats people regard, like regardless, like there's just, there's a lot of unhealth like still, and I don't, I don't really like, I don't know how how much you guys are still even like in in the church world and stuff, but like, I feel so like removed from that compared to where I was that it's hard to even remember what, what what were we what what were we even doing sometimes you know yeah because yeah, you know the, the yeah. like there's something weird about the landscape in that the, it feels like probably in that time it felt like you probably weren't changing but still standing up for the values that you had had even when you're at Mars Hill were probably mm-hmm. perceived by you to be the same values you were trying to continue to uphold at East Lake through that transition as it you became aware of of it and the everything sh- is shifting kind of in real time so in a way it probably felt to you like you were remaining the same but yeah. yet it you know you're somewhere different because it's there's no set point anyway where the other people were but to me it continually feels like I'm in collectives and groups that I eventually have to leave mm-hmm. and that's you know that's a that's painful it's like yeah you're with it, an, a, a group, it can be just a group of friends or whatever. I mean, there's every type of group. It's just you're in it, and it has a purpose that's all aligned. And then at some point, the purposes aren't aligned, but you're still there with people. But you have to move on from that. That's mm-hmm. like because it mo- it doesn't stay the same anyway. So the evangelicalism they is move that. On. it didn't it did, it was yeah. it's not a fixed point. It moves, and maybe I moved less. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't feel. But the, you know, the whole thing's drifting is the sense I get out of it. And so then if you know, it's these weird progressions where you move through groups or something, or the groups kind of change or they rhyme or whatever. I don't know, but that's what, yeah. the way it feels to me. No, I hear that. I think too, there's something to be said about like where we're at today. And maybe, I mean, it's hard not to, to look at like COVID as like a clear, like turning point for sort of every person on the planet <clears throat> and like humanity in general, just shifting something happened there and that changed everything. Right. So up until that point though, the whole curiosity thing and like the whole, like what looked like shifting around, like, Ooh, like Marseille, like we thought we were changing the world, bro. 
Eastlake, we thought we were yeah. changing the world. Church Clarity, yeah. I thought I was changing right. the world. You, like, COVID you thought that, like, what was the shit? There was no shift. Like, when you were starting at Eastlake to mm-hmm. push in Church Clarity, the mission had to have articulated different in your mind at some point, right? I forgot about Riverside, too. Sorry. Riverside, New York, most progressive church in America. Uh, <laughs> Rockefeller's church spent some time there too. Thought we were changing the world, like hosted Hillary Clinton at this yeah. church. Like, do you have it more specific than change yeah. the world? Like, did you have articulate missions that those organizations were on? Hmm. I mean, the vision's always like just whatever is localized to that community, but you don't really realize that it's like how, like how small the church is relative to the rest of the world, even, or how small your church is or your little movement or, you know, the progressive right. like LGBTQ church advocacy movement. Like it's a very like small thing actually compared to what's happening uh, on the planet. And I think you don't really realize that until something like COVID happens where you're like, Oh shit, it's a lot, it's a lot more happening than, than right. just people, churches being clear about their LGBTQ policies. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you're, yeah. when you're in it and you're in like, you're not awake to what's ha- like how how like quickly uh, things are, are changing at a, at a human level. Um, you feel like it's the only thing that there that there is. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I totally agree. When I was at Mars Hill, I, that's what I thought too. I thought I, the reason I took I was a worship leader at Mars Hill. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, I was there from like 2011 to 2012. I only stayed one year, and it, I knew something was in the roots wrong. Mm-hmm. But uh, I felt like the reason I took that job was oh my gosh, this really could change the world. And I thought for for God and for good, and that that I thought what the idea behind Mars Hill was should be replicated and the rest of the world might could assimilate to it and and it would be really great for the whole world. That's what I, I mean, and now I look back on it and go, man, what was, what the hell was I think? You know, like, I mean, you're right. Like even Mars Hill, which was a big church, you know, a a bunch of different campuses and stuff like that and, and in the whole scheme of things, you're right. It was really small. And the idea there, it felt like the idea was bigger than what was really happening and what should have been happening. I didn't realize it at the time. You know, then I I ended up working at another church and there's a lot of great people there and at both of them, um, both mega churches I worked at. But at the same time, I just started feeling like, what, what is this thing that I'm saying I'm doing? Right. You know what I mean? Like what, what am I doing? (laughs) Like I'm saying I'm changing the world, but I'm really making sure the lights come on and the seats are clean everything. So everybody can get there to hear the guy speak every week and play some music that makes them a little emotional. And then we exchange some money or prayer. And I was like, what am I doing? Right. This just doesn't feel like really serving the Lord for me. And, and and maybe it is for somebody else. I'm not even shitting on somebody else that it, it, it that feels that way. There's worship leaders. I believe have a true heart and are trying to lead people in worship. Right. Uh, but for me, I started going, what am I doing? What, am I changing the world? (laughs) Like, I don't think so. I'm trying to get, I'm just trying to bank my bills and, you know, trying to do some good stuff, but it it really did feel that way. You're right. Right. And then the whole world changed. We're sitting here trying to change the world. And then, Oh shit. (laughs) What happened? Everyone's wearing masks and fighting each other about getting vaccinated. Wait, when did that happen? I think that's still, um, I mean, I I have a one more punctuated point of 2016 of being a big shift to be right Mm -hmm. in this space, too, that when it always just jumps back. I know a lot of people look at 9-11 as a thing. Of course, there's that. But there's COVID and the 2016 election. um, They both have real distinct before and afters to me in there. And that uh, 2016 time kind of – I think that now that you say that, that kind of makes sense. It's like that – point made you realize the thing you were really looking at 
was smaller than than the bigger thing or something because it's like I could feel when the election happened that it was just um it's like the tone of way people are going to receive stuff that comes off of a, a platform from me now is I could feel it feeling different hmm. in some way that like when you're talking yeah. to an audience and you feel it, it's just a different whatever way it is in podcasting it's like oh the climate is different now for how things are received and everything else. And then, um, and so that's right in the middle of this, I guess, deconstruction is really the term yeah. for what Toby's describing there. And it's like maybe you two guys and me just, you can't help but deconstruct the thing that you're in. And then you have to go into this other periods of, of stuff. But it was that, is that right for both of y'all that you can't not deconstruct? Like you eventually sit there doing well, the I, thing every week well, and then you go, wait a minute, what is this? You know? <laughs> Well, I agree with you. I think with Trump, what really happened there as well is that was the first, not the first time. Obviously, this has happened all throughout, especially politics and maybe in American history. But it was like, oh, yeah, my team. It was team, I want to see Trump roast a reporter or team, I'm going to watch Trump and hopefully he screws up and looks like a fool and I, I get some more ammunition or something like that. Everybody's like, oh, yeah. My, I mean, it was really – like, even if you didn't like – I mean, I saw – I mean, the most conservative Christians in our families. You know, I come from South Carolina, and then my wife's family comes from Missouri. All of them are either, like, seriously Southern Baptist conservative or evangelical, and they just could – they were able to say, Trump's awesome. And if, if he would have just been a Democrat – they would have said the most vile things about Trump ever, but because he was a Republican, they went, "My team, yeah. watch him go." And then, and and, and I, that was the first time where I was like, "Oh, like, you know, I know we're going to talk about COVID more here in a minute, but like the misinformation really was." I was like, "Oh, both sides love it that Trump's yeah. president." They they like CNN loved Trump just as much as Fox News. They had so much they could yeah. say and craft and stories they could create, and and I mean you. Don't even think about what he did as a president. I mean, just media-wise, it created two systems or two groups. It pushed those groups even farther to where they're like, this is true, It was this so is tame false. back then, too. And if it, you think about what was going on social media, I felt like, oh, this is all tense now. But look back on it now. Oh, that was tame stuff. Yeah. Like, compared, yeah, to, compared now, to now, it's like, oh. Yeah. So that I think that is like a whole ratchet step. But yeah. um, And that was about the time, George, that we had that run in with our community and you and on the phone. I was trying to recount that. I'm wondering what your memory of that was. Oh, that, boy. Because that was in that, around that time. We, yeah, that was our screenshot gate is what <laughs> the BC Clubbers called it. But it, somebody took some screenshots and they – I think they – I don't even totally remember exactly everything about it. But it was more like uh, people thought we were uh, doing – Bad stuff in the club or something or talking bad about some I don't even really remember. Matt, do you remember? It was like the situation where our unmoderated BC club place. Uh, yes, we didn't do anything to moderate, moderate as a as a matter of principle. And then there was people yeah. saying that there was people were harmful in the language they used or and things in front of people and people left over it and and say who's you know and turned into a big debate about who's responsible for who and what in in what way that that's basically the context of it um but the details seem to not be you know it, it wouldn't it, it seems like to you not said, you know. in the moment it felt horrible it felt like the biggest thing yeah. and I, but but we came under public scrutiny for tame. like is this are these guys like the uh, Proud right, Boys, right. are they going to spawn some abusive culture out there? But no, right. we just need a place to be raw and stuff, and we don't want to moderate our. You know, we're just trying to keep it the way we're trying to keep it. We're not going to do. 
we don't want to police things. It was really against our value. That was the, and then, so yeah, but you better police people. That was the way it felt, you mm-hmm. know, from, from my point of view. That's the way it felt. Yeah. yeah. So what I remember, so, so I think it was Emily who, uh, who was a church clarity, like supporter and, uh, someone who, from my perspective, and you know, at the time, like, like running this organization, um, I, and where I, where I was at sort of in the way I thought about things and like what I thought was like right or just or whatever, uh, compelled me to jump into that mess for some reason. <laughs> um, well, you called us as a friend. We had a good, good conversation was, on the phone. Yeah, that was a great yeah. conversation on the phone. And, uh, felt like we walked away, like, you know, what? agree to disagree kind of like as best as mature you could at the time. Looking back now, I'm like, fuck, like, you know, the whole cancel culture thing, like now sort of being on the other side of it, like multiple times in different ways. (laughs) And like, like, I think in that group, like most recently, like getting sort of canceled by the organization I like co-founded, uh, was just hilarious. Um, yeah, you just look back. Church, church clarity. You've been feeling some kind of cancellation pressure. So I we have a whole story here, I guess, to yeah, get yeah. out of this in a minute. So let's not yeah, yeah, skip no, over that's... this one. I'm curious. I, didn't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah no. we can come back to that one. Yeah, I didn't, yeah I I'm just trying it. to get along that journey. But yeah, I remember on that phone call very much, I was like, wait a second. Like, it's. I thought it was cool that we were having a collision of ideas mm-hmm. on that call. It's like, he really thinks, and I don't remember exactly what the positions were or whatever, and yeah. it's like, well, we know him. We talked to him on the podcast. He's a real person that cares, or whatever that thing is, whenever you're in a community, you're trying right. to serve it. And it's clear to me that that's the kind of person you were. And so we were having some type of collision on how to handle things or we should apologize or modify in some way that we couldn't. I mean, it, and it was just a very principled on my end, at least, of just, I just don't think that that isn't in my, not going to do be able to do that. But yet we were able to, like, that was still, a, it wasn't like you we're doing a, a bad thing. It felt like you were trying to have a different point of view. And yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I have, I have nothing but positive memories about that part of like what, what went down. I think I just look back at some of those situations, like, um, and I wonder, I've learned a lot and I've been thinking a lot about like incentives and what makes us tick, like why we do the things that we do. Right. Um, and curiosity is certainly one like aspect of the human condition. We're all a little bit curious and some of us to varying degrees, but what really makes us tick is like what we're incentivized to do. Right. And like, in a lot of ways, I felt like I, and I'm just like going to analyze this situation from where I sit now. I felt like I was, I could fix this. I could fix this. I know these guys over here and I know Emily and like, I think they're just not hearing each other, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and just trying to be like, uh, reasonable, right? Like that was my whole brand. <laughs> um, right. But, but now it's just like that whole call out, like culture, even like to a certain extent, like church clarity in itself, like what uh, I like I participated in. I'm like, I just don't know. I, again, I think, I think again, no regrets. I don't, I don't like think that for what it was at the time for what we were trying to do and what, where the world was, it almost felt like, reasonable it felt like appropriate like 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 yeah, I, agree, letter, yeah. I wrote to judah i'm like i'm glad i wrote that letter like bro what are you doing but i'm like if i wouldn't write, write that fucking letter today like who cares i don't like there's so much bigger problems now there's like we're way past that and yeah. uh and so that's how i look at that like you know emily situation it's like really what are we fucking talking about here like what are you serious like are we seriously like having 
this conversation. Like think about all of the human energy that went into how, like, mm-hmm. what you guys went through. Right. Well, the and desire to facilitate that is, it seems to be an earnest one. That's what I notice about it. It seems yeah. like that, does, you know, but it just, who knows where that, that leads. But what happened, what happened with church clarity? Did that, I mean, how do you see that entity so, that you set off going? I don't know the story to be honest. Okay. So church clarity kind of like, I mean, it all happened with COVID church clarity started. Um, I could, I could sense when COVID started happening. So at first it was like, um, okay, let's see how churches are going to react. Cause when, when COVID first started, I was like, I was like paying attention. I was like, Oh, what, what is this? What's going on? I was wearing, I was like the first one wearing a mask at the, at the grocery store before when people would like, look at you weird for wearing a mask and like putting like gloves on and sanitizing everything. Um, but then like the more you pay attention, like a couple weeks into it and you start kind of seeing where the rhetoric's going, like, wait a minute, what? And you're, it's like, not as like scary or deadly as people think, but what at that time with church clarity, I was like on along those lines with how we were approaching the church. Cause we felt like, okay, COVID's a thing now we're, we want to get clarity from churches about, um, are they going to be open, you know, or are they going to, cause I don't know if you remember like the very, very beginning of COVID, and everyone was asking, like, am I ever going to go outside again? Or like, can I go to, can I go yeah. to church? Literally was a question. And so that was kind of how it started. And um, I remember trying to take the principal stance of like, and I don't care if they stay, if they want to stay open, as long as they're going to be clear about that for, for people so that they know like what they're, what they're walking into. Like, I don't have a problem with it. And that's when I started to feel sort of a break from the rest of my leadership team and the people that I was sort of running this organization with, because that nuance was a, that was too, that was too far. Right. Like it was, whoa, whoa, whoa. but like, clear, like obviously the people who are meeting right now, they're the crazy ones. Right. And I could feel that tension start to like create a divide yeah. and the writing was on the wall, like where things were happening. And so or, uh, that's when I stepped, stepped down from, from church clarity leadership. So that was right at the start of COVID and um, several months after that. Um, so I was not a part of church clarity. I posted on Twitter. Uh, oh, this was right after January sixth. Was that your job though? Like, what was uh, what was your where are your career oh. through through? I mean, I, I don't know your thread, but what is yeah. what was your career through this whole period since? So for a big you, portion of church, church, I was so so yeah, I, was, I wasn't working at the church. I, I resigned from Riverside Church to run Church Clarity full time, and I did that volunteer like as a volunteer basically as my full thing. I was actually I was trying to get it off the ground, trying to get it funded for a long time, and. Uh, as popular as church clarity was, I got like nowhere trying to raise money for that thing, um, which was unfortunate because you know it did have it did have potential in, in that way. But um, prior to that, I was yeah working full time for for a couple different churches, East Lake, Riverside, and then before that and more recently, um, yeah, I was in home lending in the mortgage world, and uh, and now I'm in Bitcoin full time. Okay, so you were at Church Clarity when you stepped down there. You were in mortgage lending at that time. Um, at the time when I stepped down, yep, I'd just taken a job with a with a mortgage company, and so so it was right after January sixth. I was in Vegas with a few friends, and uh, I don't know if you remember the climate around January sixth, January seventh. That was another turning point, um, and people were feeling like sort of on edge. Uh, and I posted on Twitter about an experience I had. Uh, in Vegas, right? When like, it was like things I think had just opened up. What was January? Like things were just opening up again. Right. Like, cause we were out, like we were at the casinos. So I think yeah. it was like, things are starting to open back up, but you're still like wearing a mask and like Vegas was like super right. like tight on security and stuff. 
And I just wasn't like having it and was walking around the casino with my mask off. And what I did was every time I, I saw like a, a worker or like a security person, someone was coming about to come up to me and somebody put on my mask, I would just like almost like interrupt them, but like in a really gentle way. And I just be like, thank you. Thank you so much. And just like with the biggest smile, just try to like preempt them coming to tell me to uh, put my mask on. And it worked every time people were like, just like, Oh, okay. Like I'm, I don't care about your fucking mask, dude, whatever. And then they just walk away. Right. And so I was like, just, I was with a couple of friends and we were all like, I can't believe this is how effective this is. <laughs> like people are just, <laughs> you know, all you gotta do is smile at them and, and appreciate that they're actually a human person just doing their best. They don't want to come up to you and tell you to put your mask on. But um, right. anyways, I posted about that and you know, maybe I didn't choose like the best words to describe it in that tweet. But that's what I ended up getting canceled over and just lost the entire, like church clarity wrote a blog post about it, like, and like distancing themselves from me and like linking to like CDC articles and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so that was interesting getting canceled by the organization that you started. And to, to use the word cancel, meaning uh, like, what's that definition of that word to you? Like to, I would say like discredit, Yeah, you know, like before, up until this point, this is one of our co-founders, you know, thought of the, like the, like a lot of the intellectual property here, the, a lot of what went into this. And now we're saying no credibility. Yeah. So, so like shunned by a, yeah. by a, a group that you should be in good standing with, like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and, yep. and discredited in a public way. And so I think canceled is versus lose a job to- or, you know, like get banged, you know, like it's, it, it, it's probably worth or even like, the- even like, even like uh, like Eastlake, people leaving Eastlake because we came, became affirming. Like they were canceling in, so, in some ways. Like this is just language yeah. that we've developed mostly to, to describe like online mm-hmm. forms of like turning your back on someone and walking out the door, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it's like, yeah, you know, Church Clarity unfollows me on Twitter and posts this blog posts and like, it's just, okay, cool. So I've lost credibility now with that group, that community of people that I spent, you, you know, good amount of time like standing up for defending were you surprised um, i mean like not like i'm surprised that they went that far but were you surprised that they i mean you knew did you feel that that would be inflammatory to them in advance you weren't thinking about church clarity when you tweeted that you were just tweeting about your day i mean that that's the thing that like like your whole identity your whole identity shouldn't be like shunned because of a di- one difference. But so I'm saying, so, I mean, there's stuff probably, there. You probably have way uh, more like, in common they, with Were y'all already battling about not. that type of, I mean, or something? Was it, you know? No, I wasn't there anymore. I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't been there for like almost a year, almost a year, like eight months. So it was kind of just kind of nowhere. So I was, I was surprised at like how random it was. Like felt unnecessary kind of like, bro, I'm not even there. Like, <laughs> um, Right. That almost sounds like somebody was looking for it to get this, to get it. Cause I mean, if they would have said nothing, nothing would have happened. Nobody would have, nobody would have said anything to you. I mean, maybe somebody, maybe a friend that disagreed was like, Hey man, that's not cool. You could have talked with them on a personal level, right. but to, to do all those things, yeah. that seems, that's the part I don't like is like all of a sudden it, right or wrong, whatever differences you have. Like, I don't understand that part of it. Like, Oh, I'm going to, we're going to make a statement. About what? He's out with his buddies in Vegas. <laughs> you know, or, or what, you know. I mean, yeah. that's I think wild. it's really sad when an organization is like out of sync in a way with what it was. It like um it seems like you had a lot of DNA in that organization 
but that's mm-hmm. still in it. Yeah, that's just a very bizarre situation. Like it seems like it shouldn't happen <laughs> as much no. as it does. But those I don't understand. But that it seems like it's um like you have to mourn that in some way. Like you when you start an organization, you think I want it to last without me. That's kind of the point totally. in a way. So that I mean, I can imagine that's painful to like whether it's doing good or bad, or whatever. Like that's there's something you know. Oh, for sure. Sad about that. And, and it sucks because you still actually support the idea yeah. and the mission of it. It's a lot of his <laughs> DNA either way. That's so what, now it's, that's a mix. Yeah. That's a that's an unfortunate situation. And I will say this too about Church Clarity is one of my sort of disappointments, other than like feeling like the people like the people that would cheer you on and be like, yeah, dude, like we got to get funding or whatever and then not do it. That's That was a bummer. That, was, that was surprised me too. Like, yeah. Um, cause there was a bunch of other like bullshit in the church like that got funded and we were actually doing something that was resonating. That was effective. And like, like we were for in that little corner yeah. of the world, we were moving the ball forward and it was a team of volunteers doing it. And everyone like in, in leadership in those, in those groups, I talked a big game about like getting funding and stuff. They never did. That was one disappointment. The other disappointment was, um, feeling like the, the mission was to be somewhat neutral I don't love that word, but it's kind of the best word I can think of to describe, like, I would have loved to welcome a shit ton of conservative churches to embrace the mission for what it was and be like, look, here's what we believe. Here's what we think the Bible says about gay people. We want to be crystal clear about that. That was what, that made it not that well-rounded of an organization to where when something like COVID happens and it becomes this very politicalized thing, suddenly, like, I'm now alienated from it because it's, it's mostly people who kind of resonate with uh, a political ideology that, you know, feels a certain way about COVID. Um, Had we had the sort of same level of support and there were some, to to be fair, there were some pretty conservative Christian churches who were like, they loved us and we could look each other in the eye, but we disagree, but like, you know, and that's what I still to this day appreciate about church clarity and still believe in the mission, but I just, I just, I don't have a lot of hope based on sort of what the way things that have happened, have happened that um you know that'll get turned around i don't know yeah the organizations can become efficient tools at something they become good at so you know and it's hard oh, for that not i don't to even know how work. active they are anymore i don't see them posting a lot like so I don't, I don't know. so what's it's it's interesting too because that i just keep thinking about it like that tweet is it what it the real lesson there is Oh, just don't don't really share the real yeah, right. you, or so, you know what I mean. Like you're just in a in a in a moment. Like you said, maybe it, maybe it wasn't the best of words. Maybe it you know it rubbed some people the wrong way. But that but I mean we're talking about a tweet, and then what you're once again the human energy and all that goes into all of it. That's what is, I think is surprising. You're, you're right. Even like in the times that stuff is. I mean, even. I I, th- I kind of thought the same thing. Uh, you know, Joey used to be a part of this podcast since since the yeah. last time you've been on. Joey was a part of the podcast, and we went through a a lot. And people, I, I I know especially because we were so open and talked about so much stuff. And then when everything went down with Joey, because he had a l- severe mental issues, and then there was other stuff that was going on too. And we felt like, well, we can't be, we can't have clarity because if we do, it could jeopardize joey or his life or what you know or what what is back and so it got really murky and then i was like man all i want to do is just be able to say what i think but if if i do it could it could 
cause even worse situations, or it could even get more and more, uh, more and more complicated. And because we were getting to a situation too, where the same way, it, uh, I felt like, why, why are we spending so much energy talking about some pastor at a mega church? Like, is that the real thing? Like, is that what bad Christian is? Like, I mean, I was just, I mean, we had a, before everything went down, I had a real conversation. Where I was like, uh, I don't know if you remember Stephen Furtick yeah. from uh, Elevation Church in Charlotte or whatever, but we were talking about him all the time. I was like, I don't want to talk about him anymore. I don't care. The people that su- support him are going to support him no matter what. I'm not, what am I going to do? Win one yeah. over to the bad Christian or, and who the hell am I anyway? Uh, you know, I'd rather like talk about things that maybe you, you really can change and give people ideas and let them run with those ideas. The ideas are way more powerful than me going, yeah, did you see that Stephen Furtick had a, a drawing of himself that made kids color or something? I, was, I mean, I was like, what Wait, are we that doing? Real, and that, that kind of started the ball rolling. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. No, that is that, that's, that is yeah, we, that's that real. is real. <laughs> he had a coloring book page of him in front of people holding like, like a he's Bible. He's a superhero in a coloring, coloring book and stuff. Sorry, yeah, so, I don't want to talk about so Stephen Furtick either, but that's fucking weird. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, but but that's what I'm saying. Like you're it's right. Awesome. Like how much I was like, how much how much energy are we putting into talking about these people? And no one. It's either the team. I'm, all we're doing is there's a team that hates them or doesn't like them, or the team that likes him. And so both of them are going to listen, maybe just to pick their sides. But I don't really want that. I just I'd rather present ideas about you know what what could be and and what should be and that clarity and that curiosity as opposed to. All of that, but it, it is a lot. But yeah, once, once that stuff starts happening, and then so that's what's so strange about your story, though. Is I mean, you you are moving on. Like you really like um, that. That's one of the things. The first question I wanted to ask you on my list of questions to ask you was how how do you move on though? Like what is that like emotionally or like I mean, I know some of that hurts, but like you moved from uh, different churches, you moved into new beliefs, uh, n- you know, new ideas, and then I mean. Do you gain more, or you lose a little bit of yourself? What what happens when you move on? Ooh, that's a good question. Dude, Real good. I think you definitely. Uh, I mean, I lo- well, church clearly, I lost some some of myself. I would say I was um, lost some of myself. Not lost some of myself. I invested a lot of myself into church clarity that I'm probably never going to like get back in that form. But I feel like I have have sort of evolved as a human. So in that way, like I feel like I have more energy and more sort of passion for the world and more optimism than ever. Um, so I don't feel like I've like lost anything. I don't feel like I, I have any regrets. It's just a part of me, right? Like I'm, I'm I still, I still like wear my like church clarity hoodie. <laughs> um, like I don't right. have, I'm not, I have nothing to be ashamed of. Like I tell the story openly, you can Google my name and like read the the blog post and then you go read the, the tweet that I sent and you could listen to this and like the real story. Like, um, so I just, I feel like you move on. I move on. I'll speak for myself just based on a pursuit of truth, man. Like that's, that's, and I hate how like corny and cheesy and like simple that sounds, but like, yeah. I just, when I get to a point where I'm like this, I'm not telling the truth anymore with myself. I'm not being honest with mm-hmm. you. And like, uh, this isn't what you guys signed up for. It's certainly not what I signed up for. I got to move. I got to yeah. move on. And yeah. um, I, I don't know what it is about sort of my path that has I found myself in that situation a lot of times, um, but <laughs> I just, I'm just looking for the truth, man. I just, I just want authenticity and I want people to be real and I want people to be awake and thinking and, you know, whether or not we're actually ever changing the world, whether, you know, we moved the needle a little bit at, at Mars Hill in the direction that we wanted or East Lake or church clarity, or whatever, 
like, are you at least trying? Like, are you at least looking out at the world and be like, ooh, things seem to be not going in a, a positive direction. What am I doing with my energy, with my life to try and at least preserve something for my children or future, future generations, um, stop the bleeding a little bit, or maybe just maybe have a positive enough influence where some of this shit gets reversed. Maybe not my lifetime, but maybe my kid's lifetime. And if you just, if you're not doing that, like if you're just going through the motions, like, and this is what, this is what got so stale about church in general for me is it just felt like, okay, here we go again, go to church on Sunday. We're going to do another thing. I'm like, like you're kind of talking about sing another song or whatever. Like, what are we doing? What are, what are we actually doing here? <laughs> Right. Oh man, it's such a good question. Are you able to keep any stability? Like, what relationships have you been able to maintain across these this period? So, I've been married for fifteen, coming up in fifteen years. Um, uh, so, that's a key one. Um, very happily married. My my wife and I have a better relationship today than we've ever had. And um, you know, same with my kids. Like, we homeschool our kids now. Um, and over the last like three pre COVID, by the way, I started homeschooling our kids before it was like trendy. Um, and we've loved every minute of that. Um, was she okay with you moving out of the church world? Like, was she, what was that like for your marriage? Yeah. I mean, like I would say like the, the, the sort of ups and downs of church clarity was, um, the most challenging, uh, because most, and mostly because like there was a period where I just wasn't making any money. Right. Or like I was doing like odd jobs yeah. here and there. And like, um, it just wasn't comfortable, like, um, uh, as comfortable as we were used to being, let's put it that way. And so, um, that was rough, but there's, I would say people who, who have like come and gone. Um, I think I described some of them, like, and some of them, some surprise you where you're like, you went through a period of time where like, you didn't talk and like even family, like I would say this, uh, like, where I was super like militant or like aggressive about, uh, one thing that, uh, um, like my mother-in-law was on the complete opposite side. Right. And so we spent a period of time where we didn't even talk to each other and, uh, it looked like we might never talk again. And now our relationship is, is great again. Right. So like, I think stability, there's value in stability, but I think sometimes it's like, it's a little bit overrated. Like, like I want to be, I want to be stable. I want my, like my, sphere of influence as much as I can, I can influence like my own household, my wife, like my kids to be stable to a certain extent, but like, it's also a myth. Like you who really has stability. Right. And it who, nothing people. stays the same essentially. Right. So it doesn't, there's you know nothing to protect that right. you really can hold on to. Um, and so all the way to Bitcoin full-time, what does that, what does it mean to be full-time in Bitcoin? So I work for a Bitcoin media company. Um, called BTC Inc. Um, it is the parent company for a couple of different uh, Bitcoin companies. One of them is called Bitcoin Magazine, which is the largest Bitcoin publication in the world. The other one is uh, the Bitcoin Conference, which is the largest gathering of Bitcoiners in the world. And um, I work on the conference side. Um, so I lead our marketing effort uh, there. And we're getting ready for a conference in April in Miami, uh, where we're expecting like 35,000 uh, Bitcoiners wow. from all over the world to come. And uh, President of El Salvador is confirmed speaker there. Like it's gonna be a big deal. It's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. But um, so yeah, I just mean like full time for a Bitcoin focused company that's uh, that's trying to hyper Bitcoinize the world. 
Does that make you a what they call a Bitcoin maximalist? I noticed you said you don't talk NFTs, not interested in nothing else, just Bitcoin all the I way. I did say that. And I wasn't, again, I wasn't trying to be like over the top about it, or I just was trying to be clear. Like, hey, if you're trying to, I'm, if you want to like talk about a bunch of different coins or whatever, I just don't know any because I don't like pay attention to like cryptos, right? Like um, I wrote a book called Thank God for Bitcoin with uh, a few other uh, uh, Bitcoiners who were also Christians. Actually, you guys would love this story. Eight other co or eight total co-authors. All of us uh, have Christian backgrounds, like spanning the theological spectrum, but we all have Bitcoin in common. And we came together and we wrote a book about like making like sort of the moral case for Bitcoin, why like sound money is positive for the world. And like, I mean, the title says it all like, like perhaps it's a gift from a good and loving God uh, to, to, to help like sort of redeem what's going on with corrupt fiat and money printing and central banking and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so like we use Bible verses and stuff to like il- make illustrations. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was saying in my email though. It was just like, I just don't, I don't know anything about Cardano. So that's quite, you know, that's quite, there's quite all the religious parallels and stuff. So it's like, you're a guy who I think is well established here as the type of spirit you have for stuff. Um, but it's partly is just believer, like all the way, like shared mission, shared purpose, high value, high moral value in every case. So, and so I'm not surprised to hear that there's a moral case for, for Bitcoin, but you seem to gravitate toward these large scale moral movements. Is that, I mean, that's how you see Bitcoin in the same way as. Yeah, the, very you, much so. And it's, it's like you're an evangelist of, for Bitcoin. So the, can, what can you tell me about this movement? The way you said, I mean. Tell me about the movement. Yeah. And I don't, sorry, I didn't mean to uh, skip over your last question. I don't really describe myself as a Bitcoin maximalist, though I would say that I agree with maximalists like most of the time. Like those are my, my, my people. Uh, the way I've, I've kind of been using like church language to try to describe like the different camps within sort of the, the crypto Bitcoin world. And I see maximalists as like the fire and brimstone preachers of like yeah. what's happening. And like, I agree with them. I'm like, fuck, yeah, you guys should probably listen to them. I just don't like, I'm more of a seeker sensitive type evangelical <laughs> preacher. I'm like trying to like spread the gospel. Like, is the fire and brimstone that the Fed and everybody's going off the cliff and the inflation? Is that the No, I believe man? all that too. No, I, I believe that. I but believe I'm saying that's, that's, the, that's the brimstone equivalent is that the fiat system and the banks and the inflation and all that yeah. is, is imminent. I'm, I'm more alluding to like how like maximalist – like Bitcoin maximals get a, a, a bad rep for being like talk, quote unquote toxic. Right. Uh-huh. And that's more like, it's just not a, like you, you walk into a fire and brimstone church and they're like, you're going to hell. And they just tell you straight up. It's not very welcoming. Yeah. <laughs> like, Hey, yeah. uh, I came here cause I need some help. Could you answer some questions about God and what I'm doing here? And like, you're a dirty, dirty sinner. You're going to burn in hell. You need to stop that right now. Like that's, <laughs> that's the toxic maximalist approach. And sort of, again, and take the analogy all the way, like, I agree in this context that we are going to hell in a lot of ways, like (laughs) burning down the whole thing. Like, you can't keep printing money like this and expect there to be no repercussions. Like, um, and that's what we try to do in this book is like the the first like three quarters of it is talking about how broken the current system is and how corrupt it is and how, um, how much like sin, for lack of a better term, exists in the current system. And how Bitcoin stands as a as an opportunity to uh, redeem it with with uh, sound money. So the creation, corruption, and redemption of money is the subtitle. Wow! What is the um, reason that Bitcoin is you know uniquely qualified here in the way that all of crypto is not as interesting? 
So Bitcoin is the OG. It's the, it's the first one. So for those that don't know, everything else is a, a fork or a copy of, of the original BTC uh, blockchain. So it's the longest, oldest original. And it's the only one that doesn't have a uh, central figurehead that's still around. So Satoshi Nakamoto is the, the founder. I don't know how much like, your audience knows this. Do I, do I, just go for it. I'll yeah. stop you. I'll just keep oh, it yeah, at yeah, a level, level I can under know, <laughs> which is medium amount. Yeah. Sure yeah. So, so sorry if this is like repetitive, advanced. but yeah. Um, so Satoshi uh, created it and then dipped, like nowhere to be found, never like, you know, came back. And uh, it's been running ever since, uh, de- fully decentralized. There's no no one person or group of people that have uh, any sort of control over the network itself. Even people who have a lot of Bitcoin, like they're just, they just have a lot of Bitcoin. Cool. You're holding a lot of wealth. You don't have influence over the protocol itself, like central bankers do over fiat currency or Vitalik does over Ethereum, right? Like, because he's just by sheer nature of him being around, he's a liability, right? Um, there, you, you can't, there's no headquarters of Bitcoin. There's no, a uh, single point of failure. It's a, it's a fully distributed, decentralized global network that runs 24-7 and is secure. That's what church is supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's doing what it's supposed to be. Really. It's supposed to run on trust and, you know. So it's, it's not like, a, it's not a political system. It's yeah. not a government. It's not right. a business. I mean, there's no building where it's people a distributed go network. check in. No. To, yep. There's yeah. no, there's no company. There's no stocks. You're not buying shares of a company. Like you're buying liter- like digital gold, right? And so that's that's the that's the main thing that sets it apart from other mystically crypto. absent founder. Yeah, super like like <laughs> parallels between like immaculate conception, right. and sac- sacrifice, yeah, all yeah. that. Like Satoshi is a like regardless of who or where they are, he, she, whatever. <laughs> probably he might be a trinity uh, of of something. Some yeah, kind, for all we know. Yeah, they're a fascinating figure, like, and they like have made history no matter what. But all I have to say, um, the other main thing is that there's only 21 million Bitcoin, and then it's all over. There will only ever be 21 million. Where you can't say that about fiat, you can't say that about any other uh, uh, currency. So the hard cap on the supply is uh, the the discovery of digital scarcity. So well, why can't another crypto have a scarcity, like uh, just a limit of 21 million or whatever? So it could, in theory, start, let's say, as that. That could be the protocol. But because no other protocol is fully decentralized and uh, not influenced by a, a group of people like the, the f- original founders, um, there's always risk that it could change. So with Bitcoin, you're signing up for 21 It's the million. highest trust. And the more it gets adopted at the point that's at now, it looks like it's not that right. that's going to. You're not you going to overturn it. There's it's not going to be more, overturned. Yeah. It's more expensive to try to attack Bitcoin than it is just because it used to be out. like, well, that might win out. It could be all these different things or whatever. But now, in the very narrow area of looking at it as digital gold, it appears that I mean, I don't know that, but I'm saying maybe too many or you, it appears that it will in fact be whatever the dig- whatever digital gold turns out to be. This is what we believe will be it. It won't be like a bunch of them. Yeah, that, and what that, I love about Bitcoin is like. It, is it it's it's very on brand for me first of all because it's very very clear so like i would even the way that you like described it like i feel like bitcoin's already won like i, uh-huh. I feel like it's a, if you're if you actually do the research and you actually go through like like because i used to have ethereum i used to have litecoin i used to like dabble and all that and like what because i because i first got into it I, I fell for the whole like bitcoin is gold litecoin is silver and you got to pick up some like whatever over here um yeah and it's easy to kind of fall for that and at, at that time like i mean we're only talking about 
12 year old protocol. So this is maybe four years ago. It's still, it was a different place than where it is now, where you're talking about institutional adoption and Elon Musk tweeting about it and, you know, El Salvador adopting it as legal tender in the entire country. Uh, we're in a very different place and it obviously you know, yeah. being at $60,000 uh, per coin versus 10,000. Like it's, it's actually, it's, it's kind of over, right? Uh, the hardest money always wins. Like if you look, if you study history at all, like, you know, this, whatever, that's why gold won because it's the hardest, most scarce money. It's, it's expensive to extract from the earth. And uh, that's why Bitcoin has already won. So, no, so no other coin, not even the second, there is no second, but let's just call it Ethereum. There's no, uh, there's no fact or logic or reason that you could even like have the same conversation now nfts okay there's some there's something still so i think bitcoin has won as money as digital gold it's over like no one's even should try to like compete with that i don't think i don't even think ethereum really would say it's, i don't I think, think it's trying to compete in yeah. it's trying to be a different category now whether or not it can win in different ways in terms of like okay this nft thing I think I think the jury's still out. I, I will say the jury is still out on that. I don't think that's been decided. Uh, but Bitcoin isn't really there's there's not a lot in the NFT space uh, that's happening on Bitcoin. There's some things that are happening, but it, I mean it'll be interesting to see what happens with NFTs in general. Like, are people going to is there actually going to be a market? Like, what happens when people actually try to sell this overpriced, you know, digital image that they buy? Is there going to be a market for people? Like, I don't know. We'll see. Still early in the NFT world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is for sure. What's going to happen, though, like with like when you talk about a digital currency, because it, it, there's already the uh, the dollar coin or, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, US, USD coin or whatever, like there will be competitors. What is the what are you seeing like as far as like the U.S. government trying to regulate Bitcoin or, or control it or get some kind of organization or political influence on it? What are you saying there? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that this is also where Bitcoin stands apart from every other uh, coin is there's really nothing the government can do. Why are you going to regulate it? Like you can't even, you can't even really tax it. Like if there are, there are certain ways you can slow it down and you can, you can um, put regulations on different corners of like the, the Bitcoin market. So like China recently banned Bitcoin mining. Well, what does that do? Okay, now you're talking about a globally distributed network. So now all the people that were mining in China are now mining in North America or in Europe. And so all you've done is you, you've exported wealth from your country, basically. Like imagine like if you could move around a gold mine and you decided to actually do that and export it to another country. And then you realize right. that you're like, oh, crap, we probably shouldn't have done that. Um, so that's what's happening with Bitcoin is the game theory that and the way that it plays out is governments have to be really, really careful with what they do. Because they're going to, it's going to be a massive talent and wealth drain. And I think this is kind of why COVID is probably one of the biggest threats in a lot of ways, because if the more the global government is coordinated, the, you know, more scary and dark things kind of get right. Because then they can all all be like, all right, we're all going to ban, ban Bitcoin mining. Now what? Now it all goes underground, Right. Um, I still think Bitcoin survives, by the way, that worst case, like doomsday scenario, which is hella scary for everybody. Um, I still think Bitcoin survives that. But uh, yeah. So that that's um, there's the you know, the if they there could be the stigma, the growing of the stigma of the Bitcoin could be a yeah. real problem, you know, yeah. as it's linked to 
any manner of things in a coordinated multi-government information war. Like, I, I just... Uh, yeah, that also it sounds possible and scary without even going deeply into conspiratorial stuff. That its reputation might be tarnished by its enemies in an in an age where nobody can tell what's true or not. It seems like that's a high liability, from my view. Yeah, that's true, and that's why I try to be sort of the the seeker sensitive, you know, positive evangelist about it is because uh, it's fully. We don't have a marketing department, you know. It's not. There's no. There's no one sitting around thinking about. How are we going to make Bitcoin uh, presentable? Like, there's no the incentives really aren't aren't right. there for that to happen organically. Um, but it's happening in some ways, right? Like the company I work for is an example. Like, hey, we're going to start a Bitcoin media company. And we're going to report on what's happening in the Bitcoin ecosystem because the mainstream media cannot, for the life of them, get it right. And so we educate the public about what Bitcoin actually actually is and bring some of the best like writing and and content around. Um, this really, really unique and evolving space. What is some of the pipe dream really? I mean, you know, you can stop short of utopian heaven projections, but what would we, could we really see if it goes well for Bitcoin? That would be um, evidence in the world of, of, you know, redemption of something or improving of the, so the real thing. It, it all starts in the world. You know, it all starts very, very simply with preserving your wealth. Okay. Whatever you do in the world to earn a living, earn an income, is just a representation of your time, right? You create value in the world and someone says, okay, here's some money for doing that thing. Thank you. Now, what happens next is, I think, uh, the most fundamental thing that, that Bitcoin really offers hope. Because right now, you put your money in the bank and you're losing, what, 10, 6 to 20%, depending on what source you believe inflation is, and accelerating, right? And your savings account's earning like 0.01%. So your money is literally melting, right? The, right after you earn it. So whatever you think you make, <laughs> take like 20 or 30% off of that. Oh, and then, you know, take taxes off of that. That's actually how much you really make. Yeah. Bitcoin preserves your wealth. So when you earn money, you put it into Bitcoin. And what that does is it allows people to start planning for the future and start thinking about okay, I don't need to be in this frantic hype cycle of, you know, getting on the hamster wheel just so that I can keep up with whatever bills and, and like, I, I got to keep running on this treadmill. You can actually preserve wealth now over time and space. And that's anytime that's happened in human history is when we get things like uh, the Renaissance and, you know, a, this, this, this time in human history where people have, uh, lower time preference, and they can actually think and plan twenty years in the in the future about what they want, uh, how they want a society to look for future generations. And right now, like I think we just live in a world where we're just thinking about right uh, in yeah. the, in, the, in the moment in a bad way. Like it's good to be present, but I just mean like all we think about is the next thing, the next high, the next hit, the next tweet, the next you know whatever. And um, yeah. Bitcoin helps us slow down, and I think that's a really profound uh, thing, but. The preservation of wealth is to preservation and accumulate something that can then lower the pressure on your daily life, uh, bump you up a couple of rungs of a Maslow pyramid or something. Yeah. So you don't feel like a slave. You don't feel like you're just like everything that you're doing is just like your money melting is not a good feeling. You know, nobody wants that. Like, and when they, when they keep printing it, like they're printing, like you feel like you're getting robbed. And I think you feel violated, like at a human level, you just don't feel good about yourself. Um, yeah, I, I don't think people are feeling inflation really. It's like slow. they don't under like I'm, I'm starting with me. I, I, I just started noticing a few food items at Costco or the grocery store that are a little bit more. I'm gas, you know, but I'm just like ah, 
you know, but I, I think there, it does seem to me that the, if we were just talking about 2016 to now, I mean, it, I don't think it's slowing down and everything's going to get back to normal. That, that, whatever that normal was, wasn't even healthy anyway, obviously it's what got us here. And and now we're all (laughs) fucked up, but I'm, I am wondering what, like, what really is going to, because the, the governments and the political systems are, would be very nervous about Bitcoin because if they can't control it, they don't get to control people as much. And, and I know there needs to be some level of control and order. I totally understand that. But like when it seems we've always, how many jokes have I heard in my whole, I mean, my whole life, all I've ever seen is that number of, uh, debt, us debt clock or number, you know, just going up and up and up. And I'm just like, well, Oh, well, nothing I can do about that, you know, and they go, well, it's going to pass on to your kid, but no one ever really feels it as much, you know, as that's much, why it works. and now I think, can. yeah, and that's why, and, and, you know, you always make fun, I remember everybody always making jokes about what the government spent money on this year, you know, this, they spent $100,000 on studying some, you know, this or what, you know, whatever it is, I'm wondering what that is going to look like, and do you think, do you think like, crypto in general but maybe even bitcoin is like it it is like a revolution in a way like it it, it could be the thing that people really take into their own hands to to cause a, a real change yeah i do i think that that's a, a really well said i think that's exactly what's happening and um i think it's sounds it's, bumpy it's like yeah i mean it's not gonna be pretty <laughs> because and not because of bitcoin yeah. like first of all this i think this this gets missed a lot is people are like oh well, if your scenario plays out, that's pretty dark, you know, for the world, like the system failing. I'm like, well, that's not Bitcoin's fault. Bitcoin just happens to be a lifeboat that's here as the Titanic is sinking, right? If the Titanic is sinking regardless, <laughs> but thank God for Bitcoin because we have this lifeboat, right? And so that's that's the entire narrative is like, what, it, this is gonna this is a source of hope for people because um, you, you're we're gonna get to a point where because right now we're we're Rome, right? The empire is dying and we live in a fiat system that uh, where, where we benefit in, in the U S uh, because everybody wants us dollars. And so hyperinflation is already happening in um, several different countries, right? Turkey is the, is the most recent and um, Lebanon is experiencing hyperinflation and it's, it's coming here. Um, and COVID is, I think partially like, you know, we've been kind of like the slow, slow demolition over the last couple of years of like having something to, to you got to blame it on COVID, right? Like, oh, inflation, yeah, we got to print more money, like yeah. everything, all the money printing is in the name of COVID relief or whatever else. And so call it a conspiracy theory if you want, but it's just what's fucking happening, right? They're printing trillions of dollars. The money supply is, uh, there's, there's more like 50% of the money supply has entered in the last like two years, something crazy. Um, and you just can't yeah. keep doing that. So Bitcoin exists as this alternative. And what's cool about it is it doesn't matter if you're in Turkey or if you're in the US, you can prefer to store your, your wealth in Bitcoin and be sort of immune from what's happening. And for the way I see it is everybody is going to realize this at some point. And it's not going to matter what the price of Bitcoin is in US dollar terms. I think we're going to reach a point where no one's going to, no one's going to want US dollars. No one's going to sell you Bitcoin for U.S. dollars. Like that's that's going to happen, and I think that's probably going to happen in our in our lifetime. I think no uh, fiat system has survived this long, um, and they all end. Like, and we're clearly at the end of the empire, and the dollar is going to be worthless. And so, um, what are you going to do? Put your 
gold's an option, I guess, but like Bitcoin is going to emerge and it already is emerging as the, as the solution. I think people are just, I think people can understand it. I can like me, I'm a, I'm not the smartest person in the whole world. I'm smart enough, but I can understand it, but it's almost like when I got a bank card, my dad is like, well, you better not use that. That's bad. <laughs> yeah, you got to have cards, hardcore yeah, yeah, cash. Bad, bad 80s, you know what I mean? Credit cards really, and stuff. Like, you don't, uh, uh, you don't, uh, it, uh, you know what I mean? Like it is really bad and dangerous. And there were, you know, it, you, it, I remember in college, you know, they would, they would all dangerous. show up, they'd all show up and you'd, you'd sign up for five different credit cards and you'd be in trouble <laughs> later. But that was just about your bad spending habits. But I think people are intimidated by something being digital and they don't, they can't totally touch it and they don't understand it. And then they have to get a wallet and they have to get, you know, and then they don't, they got to write this code down or under, you know, I think what is, is it getting easier? Like, it seems yeah. like it's already way easier Cash since like, easy. you know, in the last, in the last decade, it's already a billion times easier. And now is it just going to get easier to own Bitcoin? 100%. Purchase it? I mean, and if you th- really think about it, like it's easier to download a wallet than it is to open a bank account. It, it, way easier. Oh, like, right. as a person who struggles with banks oh it's the worst yeah. um i struggle specifically with banks in a d- deep way yeah thanks for <laughs> the worst so, you can work at one like yeah, now getting into the bitcoin and everything else i still have had difficulty on the yeah. bottom line technical front but um or else i would have been in when it was 360 dollars because i've been paying attention to the technology since it was 360 dollars and before i started the bad christian podcast i knew right. what bitcoin was but i didn't buy it because of damn barriers but i yeah, it was, it was just hard. too hard for me. But now, I mean, I own it because it's in the Cash App. So I was like, okay, now it's just a matter of how do you know how to think about that? And yep. you know, people are in a tough spot thinking about how to diversify versus hold off. Or I think people are mostly afraid they're going to be made a fool and fail for a scam or something. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think there's right. still a lot of that out there. I would say that. So we're got, we live in a world where. Digital money is that's going to be the like they're getting rid of cash already. Like mm-hmm. we already you already use cash way less. Yeah, more banks and more suck. Pe- yeah, so. yeah, banks are the worst. More and more people are using like Apple Pay and like waving their credit card in front of a thing to make it go or whatever. Like we're already headed in this direction. Yeah. So the question is, what kind of digital currency do you want? Do you want one that's controlled by the government that where they going to continuously? It's going to be even easier to to inflate the money supply when you can just literally push a button and you don't have to print physical dollars anymore. Um, and so do you want to live in that world where they control the monetary policy and they decide on a whim that they're going to print $9 trillion and spend it on shit that you don't want to fund and, you know, go lose a war in 20 years, like over the course of 20 years, then leave all that equipment that you paid for behind. Do you want to, do you want to fund that and like hold that currency? Or do you want a fully distributed network that's secured by peers uh, all around the world confirming transactions on a, like, just all it is, is a, is an open checkbook that everyone can be like, yep. That money just moved over there. Yep. And that's that's all that's happening. It's nothing. That's what's cool about Bitcoin. It's super simple in its sort of implementation. And um, that's all that's happening. So do you want to live in that world, the transparent, a clear world where you know, and you can audit the supply and you know, there's only going to be 21 million maximum. Um, yeah. Or do you want to just keep guessing what, what the Fed's going to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think somebody like my dad, though, he goes... Uh, some hacker is going to steal it or you know what I mean? Like that, it just, it feels like, you know, like the technology is so new to, to him and me even that like I was having a conversation with him about it and he was talking, it was, it was funny that 
that's what let me know, oh, wow, we're in a real, real change now because my dad talked to me. He, he didn't know the term Bitcoin, but he said he knew that there's this money. He knows the that, term. He's just he hesitant to say it. He said he something it. like money on the he internet. He knows what it's called. He said that. But, but it, well, no, I don't just, know if he does. He doesn't want to say it wrong or whatever. He's just not, he's going to avoid that. Uh, like you I don't do know. I don't think he actually knows the names. I don't, he doesn't know the, he couldn't tell you the term digital he can, currency. He knows Bitcoin, even. the brand. I mean, my dad's very. He's aware of the brand. No, nah, I don't think he does, Matt. He doesn't, but because he doesn't, he just doesn't. But he knows. He said something like money on the internet or on your phone or something like that. He said maybe that's what all is going to, you know, maybe that's what's going to be in ten or fifteen years. And I was like, whoa, my dad knows at yeah. least that. Yeah, that means this is real. This isn't. This isn't something. You know, I mean, it is something now where he's going. Oh, wonder what this this will be. And and you're right. Like he, most people are really dissatisfied with their their money mm-hmm. system now. My dad, you know, my my dad's like he he just uh, he had to take out an IRA, and he was like, "You can't believe how much they taxed me! I didn't know, and I thought I paid this, and then they taxed me even on top of that." And then, you know, he was just losing his mind all over it, and it's just some rules that the government has in place, and it Who, screwed him over. And he's I like, think, you know, and so that the, there's got to be a tide turn that happens when people like him would flip, but it would have to be when there's somebody they respected. What would that be for him? Like, if who would advise him to do it, and he would then think, "I need to do it." Then, like, who? What would that purse tipping point be for your dad? You think? Uh, I don't know. It would have to be. It might. I mean, it might would really take a, a Republican U.S. president or somebody that goes, "Hey, we," or or somebody. It would have the, po- the politician, you know, maybe. Or, 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 is your dad very Christian? Bro, yeah. Right here. Thank God for Bitcoin. I want to get that for him. Got to send it to him. He will. I don't know if he'll actually it's, read it's the book. Really but what <laughs> what celebrity Christian person could tip him over? You know, it had to be somebody big. Well, if it was like Tucker Carlson, Carlson or something like that, that said, "Hey, you got to do this. This is where we're," you know, or it, it might could be some influencers. I, I mean, I'm, I, that's what's happening. At some point, those people on, on blue, red, whatever side you're on, there's going to be more people going. Yeah, you got to do this. I mean, you see, like. What was the uh, football player that he got paid his whole salary in Bitcoin? Yeah, Russell, Russell you know Okuda. what I mean? Like he, he yeah, yeah, I was like, whoa, that's my awesome. dad's wanting like, me I mean, to, to do that, talk him really into cool. it. So he wants to. He wishes we talked more often, oh, and really? so he would bring it up and then try to get me to say it. And then he'd tell me why I'm stupid. That, <laughs> he wants to do that probably thirty <laughs> times until I finally do explain it to him, and then he wants to be really early in from that point because he listened to his smart son. But we had to go through the dance where he tells right. me how dumb it is thirty more times first, and so I'm going to yeah, drag yeah. that out to prove a point. I so, love but he yeah, he can't man. quite. He's not ready. He won't get his mind around it. He'll resist every everything I say. But I know he has a curiosity. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I have a I have a photo of Governor Greg Abbott holding this book. Without oh, a Republican nice. politician, that might, that but might see, is it, is it going to go yeah. that? Is it going to be? Is it going? I mean, it, will it? Does it have the? Is it the politicians will oppose it, or is it going to be freaking uh, a Republican t- thing? That's not going to be great. No, it's not going to be Republican. This is the thing. This is the thing. <laughs> They're going to realize that there's nothing they can do, and that anything that they think they can do again has game theoretical effects globally. What are you going to do? Or if you're going to be aggressive towards Bitcoin, people have options now. It's not just an American thing. So, but some uh, governor can get a story and claim it and politicize it, and then you're into that whole thing. I mean, that seems like it'll happen. 
Sure. And that's, that's, that's happening in different pockets. Like Greg Abbott is becoming uh, more and more because of, of the energy sector, the implications on the energy sector that are like extremely positive for a state like Texas, uh, Wyoming, um, Senator Cynthia Loomis, also a fan of the book, by the way, yeah. uh, she, she's trying to make uh, Wyoming the most uh, Bitcoin friendly state. Uh, you got Mayor Suarez in Miami, who's very into Bitcoin. A um, lot of politicians starting to come out in favor there's there's a couple that have branded themselves as like really antagonistic towards Bitcoin, but that's not really a platform. Like maybe it'll rip the work. Republicans yeah. in it, too, it, though, because it's like the libertarian vibe versus the old school. It's gonna rip everything. Like, look, this yeah, is my, yeah, okay, you're my, probably right. It's probably yeah, it, I see uh, what you mean. It's gonna rip through a bunch my, of stuff. I see. You know what it's like? What it what it sounds like is the same thing as like marijuana. Like eventually, you can't stop it. Everybody's been doing it forever, and so everybody's like, wait, hold on. If we just go with it, it might can work out, <laughs> right? And and it has that's a, been. That's a fair analogy. I, mean, I, I think uh, I appreciate marijuana. I think Bitcoin's implications are a little bit more profound, but little the better. analogy is good. I'll take it. <laughs> I'm just saying, as far as Thank change, you. everybody used to be. Uh, you know, marijuana was so evil, it's terrible. And then Colorado goes, and everybody goes, oh okay, yeah, we let's just legalize it. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I just, I just <laughs> don't know. I, mean? I just don't know like how much. I think there's going to be some political like movement in in a direction, um, probably on both sides. But I think the real change is going to be like grassroots. People just realizing like I'm tired of getting yeah. fucking robbed, dude. I put my money in a savings account right. and it's w- literally becoming worthless. People are just going to get. That's going to yeah. be the tipping point for people. It's not going to be oh I voted for this person because they support Bitcoin. That's cool. I'm I'm with you and I. I want to root you on. I think we need people in positions of power and influence, but the real change is going to be regular people being like, I am fed up with the bullshit and the lying and the stealing and and the funding, the pointless wars. Like I think people are going to, and are starting to get mad Um, and good. We should be, we should be mad. Like I'm the, the most optimistic, positive person you've ever met, but like I have this, this quiet rage inside of me that is just like, and I think that speaks to the curiosity too. When we talk about changing the world, like what were we really trying to change? We were trying to right wrongs that we saw in, in the world. And uh, and that's yeah. ultimately, if you're a person that's curious and seeking truth, like that's where you're going to find yourself. And so I think right now, specifically in this time in human history, as the empire crumbles, it's about the, the fiat system and what, what they're doing to our money. So yeah. fix the money, fix the world. Well, I just love it. I mean, I love the exploration and the terrain. And I will, you know, I'll identify though w- it's just one of those things where I'm likely to believe in more more and more things, especially when they promise the same values that I have and can carry them through and stuff like that. But I don't have the best track record always of, of selecting exact right things or movements or anything anyway. So I have to be skeptical here of how good this narrative um, sounds because it does sound like there's really something there, but it also fits a real need, I think, that people to give hope in that way. So a lot, of, I think a lot of people gravitate towards that um, in a way that is like it's not necessarily dangerous, but it's not super clear mm-hmm. for sure what this end of empire thing is. Sure. But the more you believe that, the more attractive this narrative is. And I just have to admit that I'm flirting with all of that. But those those seem like mega forces that make sense, and all the logic kind of works out. So I mean, I'm you know I'm entertained by that landscape. It does seem like the one of consequence to me. But I also have been, you know, it's like what am I just going to buy into some other right, <laughs> mindset? Right. I don't want to, you know, like I don't know how to proceed. But I just am committed to at least working it out publicly with that thing that we've been talking about that's so good, which is trying to do the idea thing for real, which mm-hmm. is I think what we're doing, you know. 
I'm really yes. into the try the idea thing as much as we really can do it for real. So that's yeah. what I think to, you know, this combo has been a pretty good exercise in. Absolutely. No, I, I love all that. I think you nailed it. I think we're, we're evolving. I know that's what is I said. Is it deconstruction? Like. Is that a language you use? I don't love that word anymore only because I think I have some painful sort of. You call um, it evolving now. I call it evolve. Like where I, where I feel like I'm at today is like, I don't know if you're familiar with spiral dynamics or just any sort of evolutionary theory. Like, I feel like I just, I see the world from a different vantage point because of what I've been through, what I've been through in my life. Like I've seen different perspectives and I feel like I'm like spiraling upwards and getting, gaining like a higher vantage point of the bigger picture and what's going on. Like, I feel like that's, that's how I would describe my journey. It started sort of at the bottom and, and, um, and there is an ascension to that and it's okay to, to be like, yeah, I, f- I feel like evolved. I feel like I'm a better person today than I used to be. Um, and so, so deconstruction brings up memories of where I was like, it was almost like it got to the point where I was like intentionally trying to just tear down everything that I learned. And that was the, that was the point of what I was doing. It was deconstructing like, you know, ugh, or Orthodox church conservative values traditional like i was just like became sort of it became cringy to me as a part of like who i was becoming because as a deconstructing christian or whatever and that's just a dead end like and then what cool good job you burned it all down yeah what are you building now like what's next and i just think that's a really short-sighted um uh narrative to, to find yourself in so I, if anything i've already deconstructed and maybe i like went a little too too heavy on like the burning stuff down in sort of my because there's there's things now in my, in my past that i'm like you know like I, I feel like in a lot of ways closer to god than I, than I ever have been but in a very different way right than than, than what I, how i used to sort of pray or meditate or approach god or read the bible like it's to i feel like i've come full circle um and so deconstruction to me has, has been not that helpful, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I feel the same way. I, I feel like I have more hope, uh, and even a stronger faith in that, in ideas and what could be and why I'm here. And I'm trying to figure out all, all, all that as well. And so I think all this just is, it kind of falls right into where my, my narrative is as well. George, we really appreciate your time, man. We won't keep you here any longer. Tell people the name of the book again and where they can find it and anywhere else. Yeah, so thank God for Bitcoin. Um, find it on Amazon. Um, I narrated the audiobook. So if you're in audiobooks nice. and you want to hear more oh, of the nice. sexy voice, just get the audiobook. It's uh, it's uh, number six on Amazon and Christian social issues. So we beat the Pope out. Check it out. Um, and Nice. <laughs> very excited to be the Pope, by the way, for some reason. Um, <laughs> let's see, come to Miami, come to the Bitcoin conference, Bitcoin 2022, Miami, April 6th through the 9th. Um, we are going to throw a uh, sound money music festival with artists like logic and uh, K flay. It's going to be a whole like music festival on the fourth day, but also uh Bitcoiners from around the world will be there. So, uh, you can find me on Twitter at G McHale and, uh, I'm on Facebook talking a lot, like making a lot of people angry and so that's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> well keep making them mad man i'm just i'm just telling, i'm just i'm just talking man i don't know i don't know i like you guys because oh, yeah. you're not mad no, you're, you. just, you're just talking back and it's great <laughs> yeah i mean that's what i'm saying this whole thing just makes me believe more in ideas than any kind of certainty or trying to prove certainty to people or anything like that, that that's even going back to bitcoin 
it's not about the certainty yet. It's about this idea of what could be, and then you'll find the truth in it. Like that, I, I mean, I fully believe that if in, in a year from now you find some non-truth in Bitcoin, yeah. you would you would have to do oh, something. Exactly. You know what I mean? So that so, or a better, so or a better until, option. Until, until it shows a better up. plan. Tell me a better plan. What what do you got? What, like, right. Here's my here's the plan I'm thinking about. If I'm I'm absolutely yeah. open to somebody being like, here's why your plan sucks and you should do this one. But there's just nothing. Like I've looked, bro. Right, and I have a problem. You're attracted to the the most prom. I mean, you're naturally attracted to the most promising thing that you can find, and that whether yep. that be the church in this time or what you know what the heal whatever it is, you're you're attracted to the energy. Like you know where the energy is that's doing something at least yeah. to go try to be involved in that and guide it the right way to do the good thing for everybody. I mean, yeah. there's something to do that's good for everybody that people could try to do. Right. I mean, that has to be something. That you can really Absolutely. try, <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to, otherwise it's yeah, a cynical sure. thing. You're just like, well, how do I get mine or something? But that's, a, I don't know. Yeah. It's not. Can I say one last thing um, before um, I yeah. let you guys go? The COVID stuff. So it's easy, like on Facebook and Twitter and stuff to, or like reading a blog on Church Clarity and to get the wrong idea. And you know me, I like to be clear. Um, I, <laughs> I, the, the thing I'm worried about with where we're headed as a human species is the coercion and the mandates and the people telling other people what to do and uh and sort of having an opinion about like that as opposed to i don't care if people get vaccinated or get you know 17 booster shots and wear a mask like people should be able to do whatever they want to do uh and i think sometimes it gets missed in like this you're just conspiracy theorist or you're just an anti-vaxxer or whatever it's like no i'm just like pro freedom and pro like uh, autonomy. And I think people should be uh, able to make those decisions for themselves and, and their family. So I just think it's important to say that in case, because I don't want to really unpack a lot of that stuff, but um, yeah, that's what's up. Yeah. I appreciate that. Does cool. that desire to, yeah. to, to some people just have an interface with authority in a way that, that you can have a higher sensitivity to. And, you know, when those things get wrapped up in politics, it gets, Crazy, but you do want people with a high sensitivity to authority out there. You need yeah. those people out there resi- to sensing it for the right. other people to some degree. So I, I appreciate that sentiment. Amen. This was a blast, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, again. George. 